Thank you for listening to another episode of Pin the Q Podcast. We're preserving the culture and traditions of the fire service is our priority. For more information, visit www.pintheq.com and subscribe to Pin the Q Productions on YouTube. It's our honor to showcase the best of the bravest. So that went on for two years. So was uh, so November. 15th 2004 um the eagles are playing dallas in dallas uh it's the game where terrell owens scored a touchdown and then ran to the middle of the field and stood on the star and went like this it's that game so i'm getting ready to go over to my parents house to watch the game with my dad um I actually called him to say, hey, I'll, you know, I'll stop and grab a 30-pack. You know, we'll be over, blah, blah, blah. So I hang up the phone. I go. I run into the bathroom real quick. The phone rings again. My wife at the time answers the phone. I hear her scream. I hear the phone fall on the floor. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I come out, and I'm like, what's what's the matter? She's like... The Marine Corps is at your parents' house. Your brother just got killed. And I'm like, what? I'm like, get the fuck out of here. So we hop in the car. We fly over across town. I pull up in front of my parents' house. And I'm looking around. You know, because I know all the cars on the block. This is the street I grew up on. It's the street I live on now. I live right across the street from my parents' house. So I'm looking around. I don't see the mil- I don't see military tags, government tags on any cars. No cars don't look familiar. So my wife gets out of the car. She grabs our kids. She runs in the house. I get out of the car. I walk up. There's like a grass hill in front of my parents' house. And as I'm walking up the hill, I just see this guy in dress blues in the front of my parents' door. Never a good sign, man. And I'm like... Well, that definitely doesn't look like my brother. And I'm like, holy shit, maybe this is true. So he comes outside and he's like, um, he's like, hey, sir, um, are you are you Christopher Ryan? I'm like, yes, sir, I am. He's like, okay. He's like, I'm I'm Staff Sergeant So-and-so from the United States Marine Corps from the Casualty Assistance Team. I regret to inform you that your brother's been killed in action. So I'm just like, what? I'm like, nah, man, you got this. This is like, this is wrong. Like, this this can't be true. And he's like, no, unfortunately, this is, you know, this is not like, we're not fucking around. Like, this, this really happened. And I was just like, I was, you know, I was in shock for, I don't know, for how long. You know, and then it started going around the city. You know, what happened? And, uh, you know, people started coming over to my parents' house. And, <clears throat> you know, we, what did we do? And <laughs> 30 packs started piling up on my dad's front doorstep. 30 packs of Coors Light. Just like you could build the front of that, you could build a fucking front porch 
with as many 30 packs that showed up out it's front. Crazy, it's crazy. I mean, it's a you know the people That's don't know what we, to yeah. do in Gloucester, right? Yeah. And it's just this they is bring what we beer, do. right, right, right. Yeah. So you know, it was uh, you know we had to go pick up his body and then we had to bring it home, and there was a whole escort there. I mean, the city was great. You know, everybody was great. I mean, it was it was a beautiful you know send off. I couldn't be happier or prouder of you know what they did for him and and what everybody did you know just just from the fucking pipe band to the police departments to the fire departments to just you know everybody just it was phenomenal it was it, it really was it, it was totally something to be that you know yeah I, I was so proud of and so deserving bro yeah and i mean if it was him Really, he would be like, dude, I don't want any of your shit. You know, I don't want none. He he just wasn't, he wasn't that dude. Like, he didn't want any of that stuff. So, right. you know, it was, uh, you know, but, you know, it's, again, you know, I get, I get sent back to counseling, you know, and I immediately bow up, cross my arms, shake my head. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Can I leave now? Do that for a while. You know, but the whole time, just, you know, going home and dealing with this in my own way. And now, now not only do I lose one of my best friends in the fire department that I work with, but I actually lose my real brother. So now I got I got a free pass to do whatever the fuck I want. And I did whatever I wanted. And I didn't care. Like, I was like, I have no consequences because of what happened to me. And like an asshole, I ran around and used that. Cause I was like, well, you know, uh, what are you going to do to me? My brother just died. Right. Right. Making it well, my brother just died. Well, my brother just died. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just just started spiraling down the drain. That was, you know, Tommy dying was a domino, and then there was a domino, and then there was a domino. And before you knew it, there was a whole shit ton of dominoes on the floor. And I got a bunch of dominoes left, but they're starting to tick down and tick down, and I'm, I'm starting to use up all my get-out-of-jail-free cards. Real quick. Um, yeah, I just, um, you know, and, and then me, like, I have to, you know, I was there when when Tommy got killed. I saw what happened. It happened right in front of me. For my brother's thing, I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. I almost didn't believe it. Right. And even the day of his funeral. I went in now. Now, mind you, the funeral home he's laid out in is directly across the street from the house I'm living in. Wow! Literally across the street. Directly across the street. Like oh, I walked yeah. out my front door, across the street, and I was in the funeral home. Wow! And I went over the day of the funeral. I went over. You know, my parents and all were still out outside, and I went in, and I knew the I knew the funeral director. I lived the fuck across the street from him. Yeah, yeah. And I said, Pat. 
I want to see my brother's body. Now, they recommended to me when he came home, they said, look, you need to have, we got to have a closed casket viewing. You, you do not want to have an open casket. And I'm like, all right, well, like, what is he fucking cut in half? You know, is he missing arms, legs? Like, what the fuck? Is he missing his head? And they're like, no, all his shit's intact. Every, you know, everything's there. He's like, but there's some, there's some facial damage that all the makeup in the world can't fucking fix. And this was like two days before the viewing. And I was like, you know, I went to the viewing and it was at the high school and thousands of people came. And I just remember standing in front of the casket, walking back and forth, just in front of the casket, the whole fucking viewing. I don't know how many steps I took, but I just kept walking back and like people would walk. The, the two, the two um, Marine honor guards stood there. And then there was a casket in the middle and then people would come up and pay their respects. And in front of that, I would just pace back and forth. I had no idea what the fuck I did. And I I had been drinking for a week straight drank for two weeks. I drank every day. Wow. Like I didn't have a hangover because I never woke up sober. And I, I just remember doing that. And at the viewing, I was like, I don't believe it's it's him. For some crazy fucking reason, I was like, you know what? This is one of them fucking Jason Bourne things. They he they faked his death, and he's in some secret CIA fucking program somewhere because <laughs> you know he had no you know he had a family, but he didn't have a wife or I mean he had a girlfriend, right? But he didn't have a wife. He didn't have kid. You know what I mean? It was his fifth tour. He had been to, you know, he had been to Afghanistan. Like he was, he was in Australia when 9-11 happened. So he was the closest Marine amphibious unit to the Middle East. So when we invaded, he was like the second helicopter to hit the ground. Wow. Besides the CIA and right. the 12 horsemen, you know, the, that movie, that great movie with, you know, those dudes who went and, you know, um, did a little damage before everybody got there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Camp Rhino was the first camp that they set up and General Mattis was my brother's boss, um, the, the, the secretary, the former secretary of defense. Um, yeah, so, so I'm at the viewing and I'm like, I don't believe it's him. So I said, Pat to the funeral director, I want to see his body. I'm the family representative. You got to let me see his body. And he's like, bro, that's not a good idea. It's really, it's, that's not, it's a bad fucking idea. I mean, he legit was like, that's a bad fucking idea. And I'm like, I don't care. I want to see his body. So there's a, uh, they detail a Marine who actually served with my brother. So my brother got killed. This guy found out about it. My brother served with him in the, in the first Marine division. In Afghanistan, he found out my brother got killed and asked to be on his uh, his body escort detail. That's so awesome, man. So he actually knew my brother. So the the, the funeral guy's like, well, hold on. I got to go, you know, get the representative from the Marine Corps. And he goes and gets him and, and 
you know, kid's name's Jimmy, and he comes and he comes to me and he goes, Chris, you don't need to do this, dude. He's like, I've seen the body. I have to see the body to confirm everything. All his medals are in place. I'm like, Jim, I, I got to see. I got to see that it's him. And he goes, Chris, I'm fucking telling you right now. He's like, it's him. 100%. No fucking questions asked. But, you know, um, no, that's not good enough. So they're like, all right, well, you know, we'll let you view it and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they opened up the bottom part of the casket so you could see his hands like crossed. Um, you could see like from his waist down, you know, you could see his legs and his feet and, uh, his, so his head, he got hit with a uh, vehicle borne IED, uh, like a block away from, from camp hurricane or hurricane point. Um, I actually talked to a guy who was on guard duty, like right down the street and saw the whole thing happen. Jesus. So there was a, there was a Fox news camera, like two Humvees back and Oliver North was doing his Oliver North stories. So they actually taped this shit, but they didn't, when the car exploded, it, it blew the camera out. So it like froze the camera. So all it is is the aftermath. Um, and of course, I needed to know all this shit. I need to know every single detail. So I got the camera footage and you could see like the Humvee all on fire. And you, you can actually see my brother like laying on the side of the Humvee outside because he was driving. You could see him laying there and they're working on him and shit. Um, so he got hit with a vehicle borne IED. He's like about 500 pounds of explosives. Jesus Christ. And what happened is the overpressure, the officer had rolled the window down, which I found out that you don't do. And the overpressure came in that window and basically smashed my brother's face, the left side of his face, into the bulletproof glass and just, like, caved the whole side of his face in. Um, so in his casket, he had, like, a red... They put this like red sash around your head. I mean, they make it look respectful right? when you have some facial damage like that. You know, his shit was all caved in. But you could still see like the blonde in his hair right here. Like you could still see that. So, um, you know, it's, uh, but I had, you know, I got, I had to know. I had to know. Um, whether that, you know, was the right thing to do or not. I mean, toothpaste is out of the tube. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't putting it back. Right. So, you know, we do the funeral and, you know, we did the viewing, the funeral, you know, and, and again, the funeral was, you know, it was beautiful and, um, he's buried right up in, uh, right up in Camden, uh, where my grandparents are buried. Um, I wound up working at the hospital right across the street from where he's buried. So I used to see him all the time. Um, but yeah, that's uh, in two years. Well, in, well, 2002 and then 2004, you know, I wind up losing Tommy and then wind up losing my own brother. But again, 
he's not delivering mail. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's he's going to war. There's a chance that this could happen. He rolled the dice five times. Yeah, five times. I mean, five tours. That's that's man. And he and he and he went to some crazy ass places, like in the the two places he would tour Bor in Afghanistan, and then he winds up in in Ramadi, Iraq, which in two thousand four. I mean, you listen to Jocko Willink and all those guys, and he'll, he was there in 2006, and he said it was the Wild West. Like, that's where, that was like, that was home field for the insurgents. Man. And these dudes are rolling around there every day. So, you know, you spend, you spend two tours, two and a half tours rolling around there, you know, getting into firefight after firefight. You, you know, you're rolling the dice, but you know what? He's not fucking, he knew what he was doing. Full well knew what he was doing. Terrible, bro. I'm sorry you had to go through that, you know, twice. Especially with your brother. I mean, that's just, you know, there's no replacing your brother. It's just, you know, tough, really tough. Yeah, but I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, though. You know, he, he didn't have to go back for that, like, half a tour. But... A lot. He took a, when he was, he was with the second battalion, fifth Marines, when he got killed, he was with the second battalion, fourth Marines, who the fifth Marines took over for, they took like 38 casualties, 38 KIAs. Jeez. And he, he basically was like, yo man, they're bringing these fucking kids over here that, you know, just like coming into the job. Yeah. They got no fucking clue what's going on. And you're going to fuck around and find out real quick over here and he was like you know what i'll i'll go back as a casualty replacement and that's what he did he crossed deck to two five as a casualty replacement and um you know he was uh he was he was trying to help the younger dudes in the company like hey this is a good street this is a bad street this is a street that you don't even look at or think about or it breaks out in gunfire. Sounds a lot like what his brother's doing now with the young kids in the fire service. Yeah, I guess you could say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we go to a couple more fires, that'd be good, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, nobody's going to the fires we used to go to. It's not it's not the way it is anymore. But, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, again, more dominoes start falling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going, going through the years and, you know, my, my, my way of dealing and coping with loss and everything is, is progressively picking up, um, because, you know, Six isn't not enough. Twelve's not enough. Eighteen's not enough. You know, you build up immunity to certain amounts, and you need more and more and more. And uh, you know, I but the thing was is I was functioning pretty good, man. I was on the I was on the state police USAR team. Uh, I was teaching. You know what I mean? Like I was working a couple different jobs, still working in the hospital part time. You know this and that, working my ass off. You know, I had young kids. But I was never home. I was never home. I was always, 
you know, teaching or working, you know, some job. And then when I was home, I wasn't home. You know what I mean? I wasn't home. Right. It was, uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, I got to deal, I got to deal with all this shit in my head in the way I deal with it when I'm home. So, you know, daddy's here, but he's kind of not here. Um, you know, PTSD, you know, whatever the fuck, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, the post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, disease, what, you know, whatever. Um, not, not, not that I'm like mocking that or anything, you know, I know it's a serious thing and Lord knows I got that shit, but I don't want to use it now. When I look at it, I look at it. I'm not using that as an excuse. It's not a crutch for me. This is, again, this is, this is my opinion. This isn't what I feel like everybody should be like, you know, my wife tells me all the time, you have to stop thinking that everybody feels and should act like and should do what you do, especially at work. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. You think everybody should be at work at 5.30 in the morning and you start at 7. I'm at work at 5.30 in the morning and we start at 7. I, Bro, that, I, that's pretty hardcore, man. I'm not. <laughs> but the funny thing, I and I, I started looking at it, really, and I was like, yeah, that is kind of weird, you know. I, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I got you know a couple screws loose, whatever. But uh, and then I mean, I'm always listening to the podcast, man. I'm always listening to shit, and whenever I listen to people that are like minded, that have the same, you know, like that word. Thompson, yeah. um, love that uh, word, man. Cody Tressler, uh he was in the FDNY and then he transferred out to like Seattle or some shit like that. I just listened. He was just on a weekly scrap F- dude spitting fire and truth. And whenever you listen to dudes like that, it, you listen to them and, and you, you, you hear about what time they come to work. They come to work an hour, hour and a half before they're supposed to be in work. So then I started seeing, and then like, there's like some, some, you know, Dennis Gordon from squad 41 in New York city, you know, legends, you hear these dudes and they're all coming to work an hour before work. And I'm like, Whoa, these dudes are like me. Like they're like-minded like me and they get to work an hour before work. I'm not crazy. I mean, I am crazy, but I'm not that crazy because there's other dudes out there that do the same thing. Like-minded like-minded people Mm -hmm. i have a saying another proverb show me your friends and i'll show you your future show me your friends and i'll show you you hang out with shipbirds in this business you're going to be a shipbird you will be a product of your environment let me tell you something bro those those individuals they love company no they do Oh, they, they do. love they love company, man. Hop I've been on around to some my toxic pity wagon, dude. Hop I've... onto my pity wagon. I'm going to complain about two things: firemen hate change and the way things are. Mm-hmm. I, I listen. I've had my share of uh, toxic people, bro. And I, I, it there's nothing better than like when you finally see the light and shed them. Like how much better your life is after. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, 
it's like that everywhere. No matter, you know, the bigger the department is, the more room for those people to hide. Mm-hmm. The smaller the department is, the more they're like right out front. Um, but like my, you know, like my wife says, she's like, babe, you gotta, not everybody's like you, you know? And I'm like, but there are people like me, you know, and positivity and wanting to do this job and wanting to be good at this job I've found is infectious. It is infectious just as much as the negative pity party, this place is bullshit guy. Just as much as they're infectious, so is let's be good at this fucking job. They're just as infectious. Right. And then depending on what environment or who you want to hang around with, again, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You want to hang around with these dudes? Guess what? You're going to be total shitbird. You want to hang around with these dudes? You're going to learn some shit. You, you know what I mean? You, you're just going to. And you're going to have fun. You're just going to want to just absorb everything about the job. Yeah. Like you know, coming to work early and you can't wait to be there. Yeah, you like, come yeah. to work early. Yep. You know, and guy, guys will be like, oh, well, I don't get paid, but I don't get paid. They'll hear blah, blah, blah. And you're the same fucking dudes that are stumbling in the door at two minutes of. And don't have your shit on the truck, and then we catch a run, and you left your helmet on the on the rack, or you can't find your gloves, or you're just a mess. You know well, what I mean? It, like a, this brings you like to to uh, something I heard once, and it's like, "Are you ready?" Like, yeah, no, no. Are you ready? Are you ready? And th- that's exactly what you're talking about, bro. Like. Are you ready for work? Do you have everything you need? Are you are you mentally, physically prepared? Are you ready? And it's like, it's what you're hitting on is like awesome, man. Because it's like you're hitting it perfect. Yeah, and and it's it like I said, negative people ship birds, but the positive people, um, you know, I say again, proverb: don't let my confidence and abilities insult your insecurities and inabilities. Just bottom line, I I apologize. Because you're going to make up all these excuses about this, this, and this instead of fucking doing something about it. Right. You know? And that was, I still see that to this day. That's where I was. When shit started going downhill for me in my life, I started blaming everybody else. I started blaming my fucking brother getting killed. Tommy getting killed, you know, well, look, woe is me, you know, fucking pity party. Woe is me. And then here we go. How about you just, you know, you, you really want to have a good time. How about in 2012, you just completely shit the bed and lose everything in your life, your career, your family, you're fucking homeless. You're living in your car. You're eating out of fucking trash cans. How about that? Let's see. If you can deal with that shit, who are you going to blame that on? And that's what happened to me. Wow. That's what fucking happened to me. I lost fucking everything. Jesus because Christ. Because that fucking dealing with, dealing with my problems the way that I did obviously was the wrong fucking way. Um, you know, I can laugh about it now. <laughs> I wasn't laughing back then. Yeah. You know? And I fucking, I lost, I had to resign from the department. Um, You know, bad, bad breakup. I went through a bad divorce in 2010. 
Then I lose everything in 2012. You know, nobody was, everybody kind of just cut me off. Now dudes tried to help me. Dudes in the department tried to help me. Um, one of the, one of the guys now, he's a battalion chief. I remember when he got on the job. Um, I was already on the job. He came in as my probie. Now he's fucking battalion chief. He's my boss. <laughs> um, I remember coming, him coming to my apartment one day, like nine, nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm hung over from the night before. And I'm like, I thought something was wrong with him. I was like, yeah, dude, come on in, bro. And uh, he sits down and he's like, yo, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? I go over to the refrigerator, grab a beer. I'm like, you want a beer? He's like, it's fucking nine o'clock in the morning. I'm like, and I don't have to be at work. And he's like, you know, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. You know, he's like, dude, you got the potential to be a boss in this place. You got the potential to be one of the best firemen in this department's history. What the fuck are you doing? He's like, you're my role model when you when I got on the job. He's like, you're throwing. He's like, yeah, I remember him saying it to me because I remember when he came in, he didn't know who Patty Brown was. So I made him fucking look up Patty Brown, made him know about <laughs> Patty Brown. And, you know, to this day, we still, we, you know, we always talk about Patty Brown and, uh, and he's like, dude, you got a chance to be like the Patty Brown. And he's like, you're fucking it up, man. You're fucking this up. He's like, the, you got a huge bullseye on your back and you're all out of sympathy fucking get out of jail free cards. You're all out. Damn. And, and what did I do? I fucked around and found out. I found out. I found out the hard way by having to write a letter of resignation and resigning from the department. Man. And then... Uh, that is rough, bro. Mm. And then I had nothing. You know, when you when you lose that income, you know, at that point, I'm, I'm single. I'm living in an apartment. Um, you know, not really the greatest father in the world uh, by any stretch of the imagination. As my wife would, my wife says to me now, because uh, she's sitting over across the room here, she said, total womanizer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my wife says to me. <laughs> um, yeah, just a fucking total piece of shit, man. I mean, honestly, just a total piece of shit. I mean, that's what I was. Total piece of shit. I had built a good reputation on the job. You know, you can have a chest full of medals and ribbons. But to have someone say your name and then follow that with, he's a good fireman. Mm -hmm. That's worth the whole chest full of medals. I tell kids all the time, as many young kids that are trying to get on a job or volunteer career, it doesn't matter. I, I always say the same thing, and that is it takes forever to build a beautiful reputation for yourself, and it takes a moment to destroy it. Yep. I lost that shit right then and there. My yep. reputation, 12 and a half years, gone. Yep. Gone. 
and I had nothing, you know, lost my, lost my apartment. Luckily I had owned my car at the time. And, uh, I was like, fuck it. I'll just, I'll just drive down to Atlantic city, you know, dwindling a bank account, you know, pull, you know, go, go pay to get in the parking garage and I'll just, you know, sleep in my car in the parking garage. And then, uh, and I started running out of money and I was like, well, let's try panhandling. You know, like those fucking dudes you see on the Lancy Boardwalk. Can I get some change? I mean, it works for them because I needed to get a drink and I had no money. And then I had to pay to get out of the parking garage. And then when you really don't have any money and you're starving, you know, a, a styrofoam thing of half eaten pancakes in a garbage can. That shit looks pretty good. You're going to do what you got to do. Man. <clears throat> Talk about a humbling experience, bro. Man. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, common. So working at the hospital as my part-time job. Some people there, some bosses there got a hold of me finally. And they're like, hey, man, you still have insurance till here. Give us your insurance card. Come back home. Give us your insurance card. We're going to square everything away and we're going to get you some help. And I come home. My parents, you know, I, I got like a month left on my um well no i didn't have no i didn't even have that but i wind up coming back towards you know back to gloucester and go away to uh summer camp for 28 days just like the movie right um talk about a weird experience i'm not one of these people here I take these people to the hospital. I take care of these people in the hospital. And then God said, guess what, motherfucker? Mm -hmm. You're one of those people. Yeah, that, that, that word humble comes back again. And I'm like, shit. Yeah, man. You're right. You know, the first step is you got to accept. And then after that, it gets a little bit easier. But not not much easier. Go do you know? Go through that whole thing. Come back. Go to my first meeting. Scared to death. I would have I would have rather them light the fucking building on fire and say you got to go in there in your underwear. I would have been much more comfortable doing that. <laughs> um, you know, go through that whole pro you know going going to that the, the the rooms as they call it. And uh, I still go to those rooms. Um, met a lot of great people. I've sat next to people in those rooms where the next day I've done CPR on them because they overdosed. Wow. Yeah. 
fucking crazy. I remember sitting right next to this dude the next night. I'm like, holy shit. I sat next to this dude the night before. I don't know if that's a HIPAA violation or not. I didn't say his name. No, you didn't say his name. You're good. Yeah, so You're good. Yeah. Let's just say this. Allegedly. Um, yeah. And I, I, I luckily the, the hospital was there and they, they took care of me and thank God man. I got a full-time job and benefits and I was able to pay my, I, I racked up a $22,000 rip child support. The judge was like, Hey man, you can either start paying on this shit or I'll put you in jail right now. So I almost got hooked up right then and there. Yeah, man. So now I'm, I'm in my, I'm in my mid thirties. I lost the best job in the world. I threw it away, took it for granted. And I'm working, you know, where I'm working, it's a, it's good field. It was it was okay money. It was getting me by. It was paying my bills, paying my child support. Um, but there's no room for advancement in being. I was an ER tech. There's no room for advancement. There's not like head ER tech or advanced ER tech or captain ER. Tech. There's there's none of that shit. Right. You just get raises as you go. But I watch dudes from when I was 19 till. I was in my 40s. They're still fucking working there. But the reality is you missed the job, bro. I mean, you, it, it's got to be. Oh, it was killing me. Because I was like, what? I'm like, I could still do this job. I can still do this job. And the funny thing was, is like, I was never, I was never a religious person. Um, You know, even at like, even at my brother's funeral, you know what I mean? I wasn't like, you know, doing, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. And yeah, I just didn't have, I didn't have faith in, in, in that shit. I was like, that's, you know, hocus pocus, black magic. Right. Um, you know, funny thing is they say <laughs> you find God when you go to jail and you go to rehab. <laughs> I didn't go to jail. Thank God. Almost. Um, so yeah, so I found my higher power, as we call it. And I was like, well, it, it got me back to this point. So why don't we keep trying this? You know, like they, they told me when I went into the room, they said, Hey man, for 35 years, you've been driving the bus. Guess where it fucking wound you up? In a meeting. Congratulations. They're like, why don't you take a suggestion? Maybe let somebody else drive the bus for a little bit. I love that. I love as, a fig- that. as a figure of speech, let someone else drive the bus. Yeah. And I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, I got nothing to lose at this point. Might as well. I've been trying it my way for 35 years and I'm fucking sitting here now with no career. So I started buying into that. I bought it. I shouldn't even say I started. I bought into it. I bought into the faith and I bought into the 
spiritual part of it and everything. And um, I was just like, I just, I just want a second chance. If you just give me a second chance, I promise I will not, I won't throw it away. I won't, I won't take it for granted. You know, uh, I, I won't do any of that. And I got, I wound up transferring hospitals over to Our Lady of Lourdes in Camden, which is a Catholic hospital. And they have a beautiful, beautiful chapel. I'm not talking like a chapel where you walk in and it's like one room with like two pews. I'm talking like cathedral chapel. Oh, wow. Amazing. And I worked 7P to 7A, three days a week. Met some great people, great doctors, uh, you know. And every day at 5.30 in the morning, I would go up to the chapel and I would pray to God for a second chance. I mean, pray to God for a second. I'd pray, you know, every, every day, like clockwork, whether I was at work or not. Because I was like, I didn't get, you know, I got this far. Yeah. Believing in this. What's it going to hurt to keep on going? You know, and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to debate religion or, or is it real? Is it not? You know, for me, again, this is all Chris Ryan, my belief. Right. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to like it. That's a beautiful thing about America. Right. That's why they make vanilla chocolate and strawberry. <laughs> you know, I mean, my wife's Catholic. I'm Methodist. When we go to church, I go to a Catholic church. Doesn't matter to me, you know, my faith and my belief, still the same thing. So I started taking tests. Um, I took, I retook the fire test and I was 35 years old in the state of New Jersey. The cutoff is 35. Yeah. I was just going to say you're, man, you're right there, man. That's it. But because I was a, because I was a, um, exempt firefighter status. When you get your exempt firefighter status in the state of New Jersey, it low, it takes your age back down. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it made me eligible to take the test. Oh, that's awesome. You have up until you're 40 years old to get hired when you're an exempt fireman. Wow. Yeah. Not a lot of people know about that rule. Yeah. Um, so I take. I retake the fire test. I take Philadelphia's fire test. I take Philadelphia's police test. I take Camden Metro's police test. I take the Camden County Department of Corrections test. Any test that I, Wilmington Fire Department, I took their test. I ran that thing all the way up until the chief's interview. And the only reason why I didn't make the chief's interview is because they told me it's on a Tuesday on a, on a phone call message. And the letter they sent me was on a Monday. Oh. And I never opened the letter until that Monday. Oh man! So I missed it. But everything again, happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Firm mm-hmm. believer. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. So, um, I take all these tests, and I, like I said, every day I'm just I'm like, please God, give me, give me a second chance. 
And I promise you, I won't let you down. I won't disappoint you. I won't squander it. I won't throw it away. I won't take it for granted. I mean, any just begging and pleading every day for five years. Wow. I did this for five fucking years. Scratching and crawl and clawing every day. In those five years, I found, you know, obviously I found God. Um, I got really heavy into CrossFit, um, like became a, a, a instructor and all this shit, competitions. Um, it again, things happen for a reason, mysterious things. As the, I, I'm in my late 30s now, and I'm in the best shape in my entire life. Um, which played a, a good part for me down the road. Things happened for a reason. Got heavily involved in CrossFit. It paid off for me down the road. Um, so I get a thing from the Camden County Department of Corrections uh, for a police officer, a correctional police officer. And they're like, you know, we're, we're going to hire you. And I put down one of the one of the people I put down as a reference. I'm not I'm not going to say his name or, or, or who he is. Um, we'll just say that uh, he carries a lot of weight in the city. Uh, he's a childhood friend of mine. He's been my friend for a long time. Um, he's the boss, the boss man. Um, and you know, he really, he really looked out for me and he really helped me, um, get it, get a shot at the police academy. And, you know, here I am 30, 38, 39 years old in the police academy with 20 yeah. year olds. Yeah, man, it, it that's uh, that's pretty high. That's probably high number you up there. Yeah, and I'm in the I'm in the top ten percentile. Yeah, for PT with these kids, I got twenty one year olds. Just, I mean, the kid. I mean, we had to we had to run uh, the PTC thing. Is uh, you got to run a mile and a half. Yeah, I think the the one kid in my class, he's like eight or he was twenty years old. He ran it in like eight forty three. I was like, are you kidding me right now? 843. Yeah, it was incredible. Some some astronomical number like that. It, I know it was under nine minutes. But I'm hanging with these dudes and I'm 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 in the I'm in the academy and I'm now I'm back at the fire academy, but I'm in the police academy. Okay. Which is weird. So weird. Because I'm seeing people that I used to teach with that are now like looking at me in the hallway and I got my head shaved and I'm standing in attention saying, good morning, sir, or <laughs> make way. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. jumping against the wall, you know, and they're, they're like walking by me going, Chris, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you standing there? Why is your head shaved? Not having any clue, but you'll be yeah. yeah. I mean, that's no when when all when all that shit down you know you know they say there's no atheist in foxholes i i would have to agree with that um the fire department my friends i wouldn't say they abandoned me i would say that for a lot of them they didn't know what to say to me 
they didn't, you know, I would see them, you know, out on the street and they would just be like, Hey man, what's up? Like they didn't, they didn't, just didn't know what to say to me. Yeah. And I mean, I would, I wouldn't go places. I didn't, there's a Wawa in Gloucester. I didn't go to that fucking Wawa for five years. I would not pull into the parking lot because I was so ashamed of what happened to me. I would have to go to my kids stuff at their school at the high school and stuff. And I was so ashamed to go to fuck in there because of what happened to me. And it just felt like everybody was looking at me like, Oh, that dude, you know? And again, you know, it's just what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But, uh, like I said, I mean, the CrossFit thing, man, that that gave me the ability to push through the academy. And, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, going to the academy gave me a new appreciation for what we do in the fire services in, in the academy. I think in the fire service, our academy, I mean, we have good people. We have good instructors. We have a good foundation. But as far as the physical aspect of it, we are so behind the police oh, department. Yeah. We are. We should be doing PT. We should be doing push-ups. I mean, not at a ridiculous amount. You, you know who is though, man? South Carolina, Somerville. Yeah, man, you got Good. a unbelievable, unbelievable. We, should, we should be doing that. This is a physical fucking job. Yep. But the funny part of it is, is when you go to take the test to be a cop, you take a written test. Mm-hmm. When you go to take the test to be a fireman, a you take a test. written test and a physical. Yeah, yeah. But but then when you go to the academies, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Now, I know there's some academies out there around here that have a little bit of PT to them. Um, you know, they'll do a little bit of running. They'll do some push-ups and shit like that. And I I mean, I, I be honest with you, I'll do push-ups all day long. What I hate is front lean rest. When you're in the push-up, the top of a push-up position, and they just make you sit there. That is fucking hard. You can, I'd rather do 50 push-ups because the lactic acid builds up in your tricep mm-hmm. and you can't move. And then you start shaking and shit. And if you're in a bad parking lot, all the stones and the glass go into your hands. And instructors just stand there and they walk back and forth and they just keep on talking. And you're, you start shaking and they're like, don't fucking move. Bro, if you haven't seen the episode... Uh, that I put out in Somerville, South Carolina, man. You should watch watch the okay. first. I think it's like the first. I want to say the first five or six minutes of that episode, man. All it's all filmed out on the uh, academy grounds, and bro, those recruits are getting it in, man. I'm telling you, you're flipping tires. They're moving uh, oh, poles around, Good. utility poles from side to side, man. I, mean, I was, yeah. it was unbelievable, man. Yeah, I mean. And, and I mean, not only not only the physical aspect of it, but you you know how many dudes like firemen and maybe some guys that I work with one or two don't know how to stand at attention, don't know how to salute properly. Like we're a power. I think we are. Yeah. We're still a paramilitary organization, right? Yes. Yeah. And we use the chain of command. We use uniform uh, to identify people and ranks. 
And we're supposed to be able to stand at attention. We're supposed to be able to salute properly. Walk in formation, like just walk in a straight fucking line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, right face, left face, about face, like easy shit. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're not talking and, the honor guard stuff. We're just no, talking no. We're not easy, talking the yeah. fucking. We're not talking yeah. the the army, uh, the old guard that guards the the tomb of the unknown soldier. Those yeah. badasses that just like they are on fucking point every second. Right. We're not talking that, but just the basic shit. And you know, you're standing there with your cover on and you got sunglasses on. Yeah, so you don't look like a soup sandwich. Right. And then you're saluting and your legs are still spread apart. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, babe, if I ever get killed in the line of duty, this shit better not show up at my funeral. <laughs> because it's just like, come on, man. But this is again, this is the thing in the police academy. They teach you how to do that shit. Yeah. You know, and if you don't do it right, you're going to pay the fucking man. In the, in the, in the fire academy, we, we kind of get away from that, you know, cause we have, so, granted, we have so much other shit we have to cram in, but still uh, the other day I was walking around the academy and people, the students were standing in front of their gear. They got their hands in their pockets. Yeah. I lost, I walked in and lost my fucking mind. I'm like, why are your hands in your pockets? We don't stand around on the fire ground with our hands in our pockets. Why are you standing here with your hands in your pockets? Do you need something to do? I'll give you something to do. But again, it's 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 that discipline. It's that attention to detail. You know, the devil is in the detail 110% in this job. If you're a fucking shit sandwich at work in the firehouse, would you go out to the fire ground? That shit trans, that translates. Oh, That absolutely. just dovetails right over. Yep. And I've had this argument with guys. No, it doesn't. Bye, bye, bye. And I'm like, you're a fucking mess here. What do you think is going to happen when we go out the door? Yep. And, you know, some guys are like, oh, well, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe. And then some guys are like, nah, 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 nah. nah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we'll see. See what happens. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean. You know, and and going going through that, and while I was in the academy uh, for my range week, I get a phone call from the fire department, and it still shows up on my cell phone firehouse. Now, mind you, I haven't saw that word on my phone in five years. Jesus Christ! And I see it on my phone, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" So I answer the phone, and it's the chief secretary, who who I'm friends with. And I've been friends with. She just recently retired. Um, she's like, "Hey, Chris, it's, uh, it's Alicia, Chiefs." You know, I said hello, and she's like, um, "Would you be interested in coming in for an interview?" Holy shit, man! What were you thinking at this moment? And I was like, <laughs> "You know what I said?" Well, when's the interview? Because I'm in a police academy. <laughs> she's like, "Well, it's going to be Wednesday night." At this was like Monday. She's like, it's Wednesday night, like, I don't know, 720 or some shit like that. I'm like, wow, at night? That's awesome. I'm like, yeah, I could probably fit that in. I said, yeah, I'll be there. You know, so I go in for this interview and, uh, you know, it goes well. Let's let's just say that. It goes well. Um, I When I walked out of there, I felt as confident as I have ever felt in a job interview. 
so then I go out and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my range week. So the next day I got to be at the fucking range. And now this is like weighing on me. Now I start calling people. I start calling guys I used to work with at the firehouse. Because now it's getting out that I might be coming back. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys said, you know, do, do what is in your heart. Do what you, you know, do I stay on this path, the law enforcement path? I mean, granted, I'm going to the jail, but the next step was going to, you know, police. Right. Um, and I, I, like I said, I talked to a lot of guys and some, some guys were like, no, you, you, you know, you don't want to go back there. Um, but then there was guys there that I talked to, you know, um, one of, one of which is my, my battalion chief now, uh, a very, a very good friend of mine. Um, you know, I talked to him a lot and, you know, he was like, Hey man, you come back. He was a captain. Then he's like, you come back. I'll get you on my shift. He's like, you were, you know, you were the senior guy when I came in the door, I'm, you know, I'll get you taken care of. We'll get you squared away. We'll get you back in that fucking form. And um, I still was on the fence. Yeah, because I mean, were, were you? Th- was part of you thinking like, man, I'm in a good place right now. I mean, shot, I stayed a course, or I mean, it must have been taught hard. What a, what a difficult decision, man. Yeah, because I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay this course. Um, I'm going to stay this course. It's it's a new it's a new thing. It's the clean. It, the big thing for me was the clean right. slate. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like you know, you're there's no history there. You know, right? right. Now people want to go digging around and shit like that. You know what they're going to uh, do? What they're going to do? Whatever. Of course. But for me, it's a clean. For me personally, right. It is a clean slate. Um, and then I talked to Tommy Stewart's mom. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you you want to go work up at that shit show? She's like, no, you're not a cop. You're not a fucking cop. She's like, if Tommy was alive to this day, he would laugh at you while smoking a cigarette and tell you, <laughs> knock it the fuck off, go back to doing what you're good at, go back to doing what you love. Go be a farmer. Wow. And after that conversation with 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 Marianne, Tommy's mom, um, I was like, I know what I'm doing. So, um, fast forward, the, the <laughs> I'm actually coming up on my anniversary at the firehouse, my second anniversary. Um, my first anniversary in May eighth. Now my second anniversary, which is February 26th, because when I came back. This was the other thing. When I came back, they told me all that time, 12 and a half, 13 years, that shit don't exist. Wow. You start at the bottom. I went back and had to wear a probie front us for a year. Oh my gosh. I went back and the dudes that were under me, that came in under me, were now all bosses. 
So you want to talk about a kick in the nuts. Humble you want to talk bro. about yep. having to be humble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, this is, this is what I, this is what they told me in my interview. If you come back, this is what you get. You don't get shit. You start over again. We're letting you come back. And I was like, after talking to Marianne, I was like, all right. I mean, after everything I had just been through for the past five years, I'm like, what are they going to do to me that I haven't already done to myself? Yeah. Like, I mean, what's, yeah. what's worse than eating old pancakes out of a styrofoam garbage, you know, bin mm. in the garbage can, bro? I mean, listen, yeah. this is. Yeah. What do you, what are you going to, what, what are yeah. you going to call me? Right. What are you going to say? You were, my, you know, you were, you were an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to say or do anything to me that I haven't already said or done to myself. Right. So, you know, go pound sand. Um, so, yeah, I got, you know, I got that opportunity that I had been praying for and scratching and clawing for and so grinding the, for every fucking day for five years. So God answered your prayers. God gave me what I what I what I wanted, not what I needed. Or no, vice versa. What I needed, not what I wanted. Right. Because I knew, I knew what you meant. What I want, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. I wanted to come back with my seniority and all this shit, my pay scale and all that. So I wanted that. But no, he's like, all right, you want to go down this road? No problem. I'll be behind you, but you're going to start the fuck over again. And I was like, okay. And I mean, when I went back, um, it was it was mixed mixed reception. Um, there was dudes there that did not want me back there. That did not want me back there, and they made it they made it perfectly clear that they did not want me there. You know, and these were these were the junior guys when I came into the department. They were junior to me. You know, and it's like, oh shit! Now he's back. Now I got to compete with this dude. You know, so let's see what we can do to run his shit into the ground and mm-hmm. make him feel unwelcome and not want to be here. Oh, yeah. People but can do a, that, bro. They're good at that. And But then there was dudes that and, – and my whole thing was when I came back, I was like, I have to make amends to all these dudes that I worked – because there was dudes there that I didn't even know, like never worked with me. And the only thing they're going off of is what they hear everybody else say. Mm-hmm. So, like – the late great Bobby Halton says, which I think is a great po- proverb, is pick your own assholes in the fire service. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of dudes that, like I said, that are they're now bosses. And I had to make amends. And I went to those dudes and I was like, hey, man, I'm just looking for a fresh start. I apologize if I was a fu- if I was an asshole, if I was this, if I was that. And on top of the whole thing, when I left there and what everything that happened to me, I did to myself. I didn't go in a meeting and say, well, hell, let me open a notebook here because I got tabs on like 10 dudes in this place. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do that. I didn't bring in a bank full roll full of dimes and just start dropping them on the floor. No, I did what I did. I did it to myself and I left just me. I didn't take anybody else with me. So, but I, you know, I had to apologize to a lot of guys and I did. 
and majority of them were like yo dude we're we're behind you bro like it's awesome that you're back and you know you were a good fireman before you left and you know you got some work to do but we're we're absolutely you know that's awesome you know like we we accept your apology there was a lot of dudes that were like that yeah I mean, there was some you know a small percentage that didn't want to hear it. you know their their egos didn't allow them to accept that yeah absolutely which i understood and i knew and i expected and i was like look you're, you're it's not gonna happen everybody's not gonna love it you know what i mean right right and i was just like all right no problem i'll i'll work my ass off to get back to that you're a good fireman and uh i mean it was it was still rocky you know it was there's a couple dudes that did, they they did not want me there and i was like you know what man at one point i was just like you know what i worked my fucking ass off to get back to this point i don't care what you do or what you say about me i'm not going to stop well let I'm me not going to stop let me ask you a question what's different about chris the first time versus chris now at the firehouse the difference oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I can still be an asshole. Um, I'm very, I have OCD. I, I like, I like things done a certain way. I have high expectations of myself. I have high expectations of the people that I work with. I hold myself accountable and I expect the people that I'm with to do the same thing. But again, like my wife says, not everybody thinks like you. Not everybody, you know, is capable of doing that. Right, right. Uh, before, you know, I was just, I just, I didn't care. I just, I, I didn't care. You know what I mean? I would just, you know, senior man, no senior man. I would just go in a day room and just go to sleep because I was hungover. Um, I, I didn't have the ability to listen to the other person's side of the, of whatever we were talking about. It was like, it was my opinion. And then I couldn't listen to your opinion. You were just wrong. Um, but now I see like, not everybody's going to think like you. There's, you know, there's a million different ways to do these things in this job. Um, Everybody learns differently at a different pace and all this stuff. And it's just, uh, I've learned to be more patient than I was, you know, previously. Right. I, I mean, I think so. And, and, and I, and I try to where before I didn't give a fuck what somebody said about me. I just didn't care. Whereas now, not that I, not that I care what you call me, you call me an alcoholic, whatever you want to do. But I, I look at what they say and I say, is there any validity to what they're saying? Because if enough people say the same thing, well, then I got to look in the mirror and go, I might have to change something because more than one person is saying this. Right. I might have to change something within me. 
And one of the hardest things we ever have to do is look at ourselves, man. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, you got to look, you, and, uh, and now I look myself in the mirror and say, what do I might have to change something? And am I willing, what are you willing to do when no one's looking? You know, that's a big thing in this job. What are you willing to do when no one's looking? What are you willing to do in the gym? What are you willing to do on the mat? What are you willing to do in training? What, whatever in the books, what are you willing to do when no one is looking? Are you willing to change? You know, about you know, two things fireman hate change, change the way, the things, way are. things are. Absolutely. I say it all the time, man. But again, I'm I'm not I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I want to be the best that I can be at this job because I owe it not just to myself. I owe it to my wife. I owe it to my brother. I owe it to Tommy. I I owe it to my kids because I got a second chance that a lot of people don't get. A lot of people. I still go to meetings now, and I see the same people when I walked in the door 11 years ago, the same people asking for the same second chance. Wow. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, experience, strength, and hope. That's what we're here to share. You can't expect just because you walk in here and you sit down that there's a magic fucking wand. Because there is no magic wand, man. That's the reality. That's going to change. Yeah. You got to go out and fucking grind every day. You got to grind. You got to want to go out. And you got to go after those things. You got to, you know, you, you can't just expect somebody going to come knock on your door and be like, hey, man, you've been doing the right thing for X amount of years now. So here's a second chance. That shit don't happen that way. At least it doesn't happen that way to me. It might happen to people. I'm sure it does. But that don't happen for me. I had to go out and fucking go after what I wanted. And push and push and push and push. But like I said, I owe it to. I I owe that second chance to my brother, to Tommy, because they don't have that shit, right? They lost two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. So, you know, yeah, I I I, I gotta I, I gotta keep pushing to be in my and, and this is just me, it's self-motivation to be Everything that I can be in this job, everything that I do is geared towards that. Um, because that's, you know, that's what the public expects. Bro, what do you say to someone who might be watching this that is maybe going through what you went through and they're not, they're not on the other side of it yet? What do you say to them? Uh, what I say to them? Um, I say it's okay. It's 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 okay and don't think that you're the only one going through this. Don't think that this hasn't happened to somebody else. Don't think that this has never happened to somebody before. I don't know what to do. Because people are going through it every day and Again, number one, acceptance. 
It's the first step. So, I mean, I've talked to people who are like, well, I'm not this. And I'm like listening to their story and what they're telling me. And I'm like, from one to another, yes, you are. And they're total, the total denial. So I think it's a, it's a, it's an ego thing. It's a fear thing. Like I'm going to lose my masculinity or I'm going to lose that, that whatever cape they supposedly give you as a fireman. I'm going to lose that if I admit that I have an issue or I have a problem. And that's not the case at all, especially nowadays. There's, you know, nowadays there's so much more help and there's a lot, I would say, I would say this, there's more acceptance now than there was, I mean, not, I mean, it makes me sound old, but, you know, back in two, the early 2000s, in the, in the early 90s, it wasn't accepted. In the 80s, it wasn't accepted. Right. Um, it's more accepted now. And there's a lot more resources now, too. Oh, there's a ton more resources. Yeah. And if you're, if you're that person, you know, if you're that person that's struggling or you think you got a problem, first off, if you think for just a split second, I might, I might have a problem here. Guess what? You do. You got a problem. And the, the, like you said, the amount of resources that are out there, the, the amount of people that you can talk to and I don't know. I, I'll be the first person to tell you that back when I was, you know, in my younger years, you know, we would say, and I, I've, I've said it myself, you know, alcoholics are quitters. And the difference between me and an alcoholic is they carry a card and go to meetings and I don't. Mm-hmm. I've heard those things from other people too, bro. It's, you know, and now look at me and God yeah. said, you know what? Yeah. Take that. And yeah, here I am here, here I am, you know, back in the job that I love. Uh, I, <laughs> and Danny from, you know, uh, Danny Dorenzo from safety and survival, he wound up hiring me back. You know, I never thought that I would get back to that. Never, you know, and the boys from the company just welcomed me back in. You know, um, you want to talk about like-minded people and I argue this point. Well, not everybody can think, you know, my wife says to me all the time, not everybody's like you, not everybody thinks like you. And I'm like, that's total horseshit because I work for a company where 99% of the guys think and do the same things I do. And they work all over the state, yeah. New Jersey. Pennsylvania, New York, and we're all like-minded when it comes to the job. Well, I recently went, I recently went to uh, like New Hampshire, Vermont. um, And it's like crazy how I'm running to the New England fools, had an opportunity to meet those guys and and watch one of their trainings and talk to these brothers. And it's like, it don't matter where you're at, bro. You're surrounded by like-minded individuals. When you have that, I mean, you you gotta cherish it. It's just such an amazing thing, bro. Yeah, and I mean that's that's one of you know, you know the the, the longer you get in the in the business, you know they say like, um, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, which is a hundred percent true. Oh yeah, 
But I would say this, don't judge a book by its cover, but with a little bit of knowledge, skills, abilities, training, experience, you can look at a dude and listen to a dude and kind of tell whether he's fact or non, you know, fact or fiction. For me, it's like within the first five minutes of the conversation, bro, honestly. You know if this dude's total bullshit or like, all right, he's got a little validity. I can hear he's got a little validity, you know, like, you know, people see, uh, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Emenecker and, you know, people will come up to me after I do a class or whatever. And they're like, do you know Brian Emenecker? And I'm like, maybe, I I think I've heard of him. (laughs) And I like talked to him the other day or I texted him the other day. And they're like, you sound exactly like him. Like your, your, your mannerisms and the way you say things, you sound just like him. And I mean, for me, that's, that's, that's a, a huge compliment. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling me I sound like a guy that I, you know, I grew up idolizing and, and learned so much from, um, when it, I mean, the guy's been to more fires than I could hope to go to in 10 careers. And I've learned so much from this guy, especially teaching with him. Because again, when you're working for a company like, you know, safety and survival, you're either going to be on the level or you're going to go fucking work somewhere else because we ain't got time. Have, you know, have- we're, have you ever thought about um, helping others on the job with with what you've been through and what you've experienced? Have you ever considered doing that type of work? Um, so I know I actually saw, and I, I want to bring this up. I actually saw you talk to another mentor of mine, um, Paul Drennan, Chief Drennan. Oh, yeah. Great guy, man. Oh. Um, yeah, he helped me study for this past captain's test, um, which uh, I would say, and this is all I'm going to say about it, I would say was the difference for me in this test was what he taught me, what he gave me, what he showed me the way. That was the difference for me. And I, I can't pay him back in a thousand lifetimes. Um, it, it, just a great man. I can't say enough about him. Uh, and he just recently retired. Yeah. So yeah, it was awesome. Good for him. Man. Um, but lost to the city, but definitely good for him. Yeah. I, I know he's doing something. He's getting ready or he does something with that in Jersey city. And he's, he's asked me if I would, you know, one called upon to help him. And I said, you just shine up the signal from Jersey city and I'll be up the turnpike. Um, I know we had a, uh, we had an incident probably a year and a half ago. Um, we had to go to the neighboring County. We had to go to Westville for a, uh, motor vehicle accident where people trapped and, uh, it wound up being a triple fatal with uh three kids uh they suck yeah and i have to say in 20 plus years of of doing this job and being involved in in the fire service and some of the things that you see i have to say that was one of the most gruesome scenes and accidents that i've ever seen um, I, I felt so bad for the, for the kids. Um, 
it was it was very it was it was very traumatic. It was oh, and my my jujitsu gym was right down the street, so I used to drive past it all the time. Yeah, and they got the the cross up there with the bunny rat. So I immediately flashed back to that night. Yeah, and um, they were the chief had sent us to um he was bringing in the mercury team or whatever it is from around here. And I wasn't going to go, you know, he was like, I'm, I'm going to send you there. This is when they're coming. You can go to Westville fire department. This is when they're coming. And I was like, I ain't going, I don't need to go. You know, I, I I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a meeting. I'm going to talk to my sponsor. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to use, the healthy addictions um instead of the other things and uh my wife's like no 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 you gotta go you gotta go she's like because somebody else might see you there and be like well if he's here and he's mm-hmm. sharing and you know he's doing this well maybe i can and i and i i literally i went there and i did and, and i and i don't regret going um you know, I told that, and there were some young, young dudes in the room. And I told them, I'm like, look, man, don't fucking do what I did. Don't bottle this shit up. You know, you got to talk about it. Right. You got to get it out. And the counselors came up to me after the, fu- after the thing. And they're like, yo, man, you, you're interested in coming to workforce. They're like, your shit was like really good. And I'm like, thank you. But you know, no, no, thanks. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not that at that point yet in my career, I think. Right. Right. Now, if somebody called me or somebody texted me or somebody reached out to me and was like, yo, bro, can you talk to this dude? Or, Hey man, can I talk to you for me? Absolutely. But as far as like going and working for a company or working for a team or something right. like that. Cause every time you're revisiting your, you know, you're revisiting this old wound. I mean, even us talking today, I mean, it's, you know, in a sense, you're talking about your past. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, for me, I mean, yeah, the, you know, talking about Tommy, I mean, here we are all these years later, you know, and I still, I still catch a little feeling. I still catch a little emotion. Of course. Yeah, of course. Same thing with my brother. Uh, the same thing what happened you know i i still catch that emotion and i i usually pawn it off to um like there's dust in the room and it makes my allergies <laughs> and my eyes water a little bit yeah i usually throw some funny shit in there like that yeah. um but i think the more the more that i've talked about it the more that i've said the thing the more that i've talked about the story the more i've talked about the fourth of july fire what happened to my brother the more I talk about that, the almost it's 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 like I have an overload of it in my system. And the more I talk about it, it's like more the more the valve is open and the more that gets out. And like we're almost to the point where we're we're almost empty of getting overly emotional about it. I mean, there when I I couldn't even talk about this shit without breaking down. And 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 then that's why I would go right to grabbing a drink cuz I'm like, you know what? We're going to we're going to squash these feelings right here. But I mean 
yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I lost everything, but I have, I've gotten back everything and 10 times more, you know, I'm, 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 I'm remarried to my wife, Barbara, who I love to death, who, <laughs> um super hot co- I, funny thing i was working in lourdes one day and she comes in with a with a with a a suspect i guess you could um and and, and we knew each other because we work in the same we work in what we know we work together yeah yeah you know she's a police officer so we knew each other and she came in one day and I was like bullshitting with her and stuff like that. You know, hey, what's up? What's going on? How you doing? <laughs> and um, you know, she's, you know, totally frat fraternizing with me, you know. You're a because I'm a womanizer, <laughs> she says. And um she leaves. And I said to my buddy, I'm like, dude, I've always wanted to date like a hot cop. I always I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> Woman. Um, man, here we are all the, you know, years later and now I'm married to her. I'm married to that same cop that I said that about who came That's, in the ER that day. The universe works in serious ways, man. Things happen for a reason. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that karma is a motherfucker and it is a circle. So that's why when like all those haters were hating, you know, haters are like crickets, man. They'll talk all this shit. When you're not around, they, yeah. they'll chirp their ass off. But as soon as you walk by them, <laughs> they shut up. They're fucking crickets. That's why yeah. I call them crickets. Yeah. Um, but no, my wife, you know, she keeps me, she keeps me level. You know, she tells me you're being a fucking asshole. Don't do this. Don't say this. Do say this. Controlling. <laughs> yeah, she's very controlling. <laughs> um, typical, typical cop. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna lock you up. Go to hospital or go to jail, right? Um, but no, she, you know, it, it's it's um, and and you know because of what she does for a living, um, you know, we can have that conversation, and she can understand that stress and all that. And she does the same thing with me. You know what I mean? I understand the hours and right you know, the, the work hours are weird and, you know, this yep. and that and everything like that. So it, it met, it gels together very well. Yeah. It's a good partnership because you guys can definitely bounce things off each other and, and you understand, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I say stupid shit on her body camera sometimes uh, because <laughs> I forget that she has body camera on. So I'll say stupid, inappropriate things. And then she'll be like, yeah, my body camera's on. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> They had body cameras back in the day when we started. You know what I mean? We could say whatever we wanted. Nobody's recording it. Now everybody's got a cell phone and body camera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and my, you know, my kids, uh, my stepkids, you know, uh, just everything is, is I'm, to- I'm totally blessed. Sometimes I question whether I deserve it or not. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's been a crazy ride, and we're we're not done yet. We're not, we're not even close to done yet. Um, you know, I still love going to fires. I love I love this job. Um, 
You know, when I lost the job, when I lost everything, I lost my identity. I lost who I was. They didn't just take away the gear and all that shit. They took, they took away my pride, my honor, everything. And I was fucking so ashamed of myself. So, so in, in coming back in this resurrection, um, I learned and I had to learn that, you know, stripping away those materialistic things can't strip away who you are and what you stand for mm -hmm. just because they, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I'm 100% committed to this job. I'm 100% all into this business. Um, and I try to be the, uh, just a sponge and just soak up as much information as I can about this business. I'd rather be good at everything than great at one thing in this business. And some people don't agree with that. They have other philosophies and stuff. But um, I'm, I'm just totally, like I said, I'm totally blessed to, to have what I have. Um, and I know I can't take it for granted. I know that, like I said, I owe it not just to me, but to other people living or dead. I owe it to them. Um, I, I own a shirt by Dynam Dynamis Alliance. Um, it says on the back, you know, to live a life that those became that, that have come before us would be, you know, would be honored to live um and it's just you know like dakota myers has that saying you know own your dash uh you know and you know he's guy guy got the medal of honor and he doesn't even want the damn thing he tried to give it back and now he's on the job and i, I think texas or something like that he's on the job now and he has this whole website own your dash and it's and what he's talking about is the, the day you were born the year you were born on your tombstone, it has the date and then there's a dash in the middle and then the right. year you die. And what he's saying is you need to own and live up to that. So, you know, it's, it's just it, like things like that. And just, um, you know, I know when I was going through those five years, man, like Jocko Willink was just coming around and I wholeheartedly bought into all his shit. Um, you know, he's got that, um, he's got that, that the, you look it up on YouTube, just type in Jocko willing good and just watch that. It's like a three minute video and it'll make you rethink some things. Um, because he talks about with, with every bad, there's good. I'm actually gonna, I'm going to put that in my phone right now. So I, I don't forget it because, uh, I don't want to forget it. And that's. It is. I mean, he he just lays it out for three minutes, and he's got a very distinct voice. That my yeah, you know, my wife hates it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a three. It's like a three minute clip of of good. You know, and every time you know you lose, you know you don't either win or you learn, right? I think Jalen Hurts just said that about the Super Bowl. You either win or you learn. You don't. You know. You know. There's no. You know. It's not a loss. And, um, you know, for me, um, with every bad, there's good in it and totally, totally applicable to my story and, and everything that I've gone through with, with all that bad shit. Um, 
you know, I learned all this good shit about myself. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe somebody sees this and maybe somebody goes, you know what? I'm kind of going, because the funny thing is, the funny thing is when you go to these meetings, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter what you do outside the room because everybody's story is the same. It's the craziest thing. It's the craziest thing from trash men to airline pilots, to CEOs of companies, to firemen, to cops, you get us all in this room and we start telling our story about how we wound up in said room. You're going, Oh shit. I did the same thing. Or I did that too. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. But it doesn't fucking matter what you do for a living or what you do outside the room. Right. It's a fucking level playing field. We all got that. We all went through the same thing. We all suffer the same way. Um, you know, another proverb, I'm not addicted to suffering. I'm addicted to the product of suffering. So, You know, some people are like, well, that's kind of morbid to say, you know, like you like to suffer. And I'm like, no, that you're, you're missing the point. The point is you're going to suffer, you know, you're going to get knocked down, but you're going to learn, hopefully learn something about that, why you wound up in that position. And, you know, for me, like listening to Jocko and him always talking about jujitsu. So two years ago, I was like, hey, I'm 43 years old. Let's go try jujitsu. Here we are two years later. Um, you want to talk about getting humbled? Have another grown man grab you, lay on top of you, and almost make you stop breathing in a matter of seconds. And guess what? There ain't shit you can do about it. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how fast you are. I don't care how big you are. 145-pound kid, 140-pound kid. I'm 200 pounds. Choke me out in seconds, and I can't do anything. Yeah, that is – it is humbling. Yeah. You get another grown man to lay on top of you, and you you can't – you you come close. You, you – the – we're going to practice on what it feels like not be able to breathe. And that's what happens. And it, I mean, it, it works well for work because you get really comfortable with tight spaces and you get really comfortable with breathing, controlling your breathing. Um, because you start, you know, you start breathing heavy in, you know, in that stuff and you're just going to gas out. Oh yeah. And that's the, yeah. that's the other thing too. You, you, you gotta, you know, you learn and I, I, I'm still learning right? that you can't be McGill the gorilla. You can't just yoke people up and use your strength because they're just going to lay there and let, and they're just going to let you go. They're going to let you go. And in about 10 seconds, you're going to go from the dial of 10 back down to one and you got nothing in the tank. And then they're just going to wait for you to gas out. And then they're just going to submit you or they're going to make you tap or they're going to put you to sleep. And there ain't nothing you can do. So <laughs> you want to talk about being humbled. Uh, I tell guys at work all the time. I'm like, yo, man, 
I'm going to gym with me and see what it's like. You know, nah, nah, I can't do that. I'm too old for that. I'm like, I'm older than you are. <laughs> There's a dude that rolls in my gym. I don't even know how. I mean, this guy's got to be in his 60s. You know, they, you know, they have a club called the Old Man Jiu-Jitsu Club. Um, and this, this dude will roll you up. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it does, it, it's nice to, you know, do that, that physical activity, especially for the job. It's a whole different level. Like I said, it's a whole different level of breathing. It teaches you how to breathe in a tight space. When somebody's laying on top of you, when somebody's trying to choke you purposely, you pay a lot of money a month to have another grown man try to choke you. <laughs> it sounds weird. I know. But a lot of people are doing it now, which is yeah. weird. But, you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I got I got all, all these good things, man. I, I just, like I said, I'm, I'm totally blessed. And, uh, you know, well, I, I. Well, the reason the reason uh, I thought it was so important um to tell your stories because that day um you know a lot of people don't know this uh you know we we filmed the second portion in the, cool. in your firehouse um and in that portion is when you and i first met and you started to tell me your story um and, and i i literally stopped in my tracks and said that this is this is way too big uh way too important for a small couple a couple minute segment about you know chris ryan uh there, there, there's a lot more to this and um that's why i thought it was important and when you were and and just so everyone understands you know um this is something that chris wanted to do and um you know i discussed it with him to make sure he was comfortable with this because it's a very very personal story um and the fact that you're willing to share it i think is going i I don't think I know is going to help others uh, because these types of powerful messages are real. Uh, this isn't like a, a made up thing. This is real life. This really happened to you. Um, and I know it's going to help other people. And I think that what you're allowing other people to do is um, see the real you and see the struggles you went through to get to where you're at right now. And I commend you, bro. Honestly, I commend you, brother. You've been through hell and back and a lot of people could have given up and you didn't and you you know you you like you said man you were in that grind you just kept grinding until you get where you're getting look at you now man i mean you're a literal inspiration for a lot of people and i i, yeah, I have a lot of respect for you bro thanks man i appreciate it like i said like i i felt sorry for myself i felt pity for myself um and i was just like you know what? Fuck this, dude. Because if my brother's alive today, if Tommy's alive today, and I'm going through something like this, they're going to be like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you are you kidding? Like you're not honoring us by feeling sorry for yourself, or not do or letting your just life fall apart. Like you're just you're being a puss." Now, mind you, it's a story that isn't. It's not. It's not. Uh, written all the way through yet you know what I mean we haven't closed the book here we're still writing chapters um, and you know there's going to be adversity and there's going to be trials and tribulations and 
you know, uh, there's going to be bad days and there's going to be good days. I'm not saying every day I walk into work, I'm like sunshines and rainbows. Um, there's, you know, I have good days and bad days, you know. Um, but I know, I know what it looks like when you, when you give up. Um, I know for me personally, you know, after my brother died, my mom shut the fuck down to this day just gave up on life and now she's got all these medical problems she's in rehab she's in a rehab right now because she broke her arm she's got fluid around her heart because she doesn't fucking do anything this woman just basically just wasted away in her house never left her house because it was all oh, well my son died and I, I mean i'm 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 like flat out with her like dude do you think if your son was alive today and he sees what you're fucking doing right now, like he's going to be appreciative of that? He'd be losing his goddamn mind over what you're doing. And I, I, I again, and, and, you know, we're, we're slowly working um, through many of, many of knife hand and just flat out, no bullshit. Like this is what you need to do right. or you're going to die. Like flat out. We're not, we're not, we're not fucking around anymore. Um, and we're slowly, you know, trying to get her, uh, you know, out of the, re she's moving around a lot better now in the rehab Good. and stuff like that. And, but Good, bro. that is a prime example of what happens when you just say, fuck it. I'm giving up. Because this, this horrible thing happened to me. Now, don't get me wrong. It is a horrible, tragic thing. Yeah. But again, my brother wasn't delivering mail. You know what I mean? Right. He's going to war. And in war, people die. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't have a saying in the military yet. I don't think that everyone goes home like that hasn't hit the military no, has it no 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 because everyone doesn't go home right. and a lot of families around the country know that firsthand you know you get handed that folded flag that's a little different than the people who are kneeling down for national anthems or 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 burning the flag and shit like that you don't you haven't been handed that flag that's folded up so you you don't know but again, this is America. You have the right to do that shit. I mean, that's your prerogative. Just don't do that shit near me. Yeah, same with me, bro. Um, yeah, so if if you're struggling, man, look, I'm not the end-all, be-all with this shit. Like I said, I have good days and bad days. Um, it's not over yet for me. Uh, I could fuck this whole thing up tomorrow um oh i'm here to like i said to share my story and share that experience strength and hope for that person out there that may be heading down the same road or is down the same road and has no fucking idea what to do because they're sitting in a chair and they're clinching the chair and they're rocking back and forth going i don't know what to do next because I've been there. 
I've been in that chair. I've been clinching that chair. I don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. But I'm here to tell you that to share my experience, strength, and hope with you because I'll tell you what's happened to me. Um, I'll tell you how the faith and having hope got me to where I'm at right now. And taking somebody else's suggestion. Letting someone else drive the bus. Well, let somebody else drive the bus, man. You've been been driving the bus for this long, and look where you wound up. Congratulations, asshole. Um, Yeah, man. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. It's like I said, the more I talk about what has happened, the more it's like the more air gets let out of the balloon, which is kind of what I'm going for. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot of air. It's a lot of air to carry around with you, man, and try to keep your feet on the ground. So, you know, like I said, the more I, the more I put it out there, um, the more air gets let out, the more, the more grounded, you know, I, you know, I try to stay, try to stay humble, you know, try to have, uh, empathy, you know, all these things that I did not, like you said, what, what's the difference between you now and, and before, you know, try to have empathy for people and try to stay, try to be humble. That's why I pay a lot of money every month to go get humbled. So if, <laughs> so if I'm not, if I'm not running that course, like I'm supposed to at home, Good thing I can drive 20 minutes up the road and somebody's going to do it for me. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and just giving back, you know, giving back what uh, my experience, strength and hope to, to that next person. Like I said, I, you know, you, you go to these meetings enough and you get enough time, you know, they tell you all the time, it's not about you anymore. It's right. about that other guy that's fucking sitting in that seat. That's losing his mind that's rocking back and forth and has no idea what's next. Well, I know that you're going to be an inspiration to others. I know that your story is, is going to reach someone else because it's just going to happen. And um, I, my hope is that um, someday that person reaches out to you to thank you because you got them out of a really bad spot in their life that they they needed. And uh, you know, like I tell people all the time, that's not the form of the show, but what I've noticed with my show is that, um, we've touched on things and, um, those things have impacted so many lives and the proof's in the pudding because I've received phone calls and I've referred them to people that have bigger brains than I do, uh, that can guide in the right direction. And, and those people are doing really well today. So I know that your story is, is, is very similar to that. And, and that your, your experience is, perseverance and your strength uh, is going to be what someone else needs to hear right now. So I commend you again. Like I said, it's from the bottom of my heart, man, it's uh, you know, you're the real deal, bro. I mean, you've been through it all and you're still here today. So, and to start over, like when I remember when you, when you tell me that story, I think back of man starting over after being there for 12 years, being one of the senior guys and having to put a proby shield on man. I mean, that not, everyone can do that because some people's egos are just too big for that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. man? so, so the fact that you've done that 
uh, speaks volumes of the, the the person you are. Thank you. Yeah, I, and you know we have this discussion sometimes, and uh, I have this discussion with a lot of guys I work with from bigger departments that I teach with. Um, you know that whole that whole senior man thing. Um, it's it's an it's an earned title. Mm-hmm. It's your time time on the job does not equal senior main status. Senior Fact. main status is an earned thing. We've said that many times in here. And there's guys that walk around and go, well, I'm senior man. Well, no, you're just a dude who happened to skate by long enough and collect the most paychecks to this point. Right. You're not a senior man. You're not. Yeah, because are a senior you- man doesn't sit back and go, hey, Proby, go, uh, hey, junior guy, you got to clean up the whole firehouse and do this and that while I'm going to sit over here and play on my phone. That's not the senior man. You're not, you're not leading. Bro, I know chief, chiefs of department cleaning the toilet because they want to, not because they have oh, to. Yeah. That, that he easily looked like a uh, Proby. There's a toilet here that needs to be cleaned. Yeah. But no, you're the not- chief's there. In the toilet cleaning it. I mean, that speaks volumes of the caliber person that that person is. You know, it's just yeah. the way it is, man. I mean, granted, there are some things as a proby that you need to learn and you need to be, you know, things like that. But like I tell the, the junior men coming into the department now, I say, look, this is where you, these little things, this mm-hmm. is where the devil's in the detail. This is where you learn discipline. This is where you learn how to be uniform with things uh and have consistency um and you have attention to detail right right this is where you learn that because when you go out the door you're going to need that Mm -hmm. because no one's going to be holding your hand when you get out there i mean it's no um, yeah no and and you know what guess what one day one day very soon you're going to be saying this to somebody else Mm -hmm. And hopefully I did my job in, in, in helping you along, not telling you what to do, helping again, it's all a suggestive program. Right. Right. And, and showing you the way, the right way, hopefully you're going to be telling this to somebody. And when you start doing that, you start building that culture, you know, and that's the big thing they talk about in this fire service now is the culture, the culture's we got to change the culture. We got to change the culture. Yes, we do, but it is virtually impossible for you to change the entire culture of a firehouse for one guy or two guys. No, you can't do it. Nope. There's a, there was a dude on the, on the weekly scrap. Who's a Lieutenant from Houston. I forget his name. I apologize. He talked about the 33% rule. 33% of your guys in the department are go getters, meat eaters, alpha, want to be great at this job, 33% of them. And then the 33% sit in the middle. They, you know, they pull their weight, but they're not the first ones to do this. And they're not the first ones to jump on that. But, you know, you, you can kind of depend on them. And then you have the other 33%. We're just going to call them the shipbirds. They just are there. They're, as Brian Emenecker would say, they're just blue welfare recipients. That's all they are. Blue welfare recipients. They're there to collect a paycheck and a pension. And that is all they're fucking good for. Now, 
I come along and I try to change the 33% of 33% of 30%, it's impossible. No. But if I can take one dude or two dudes from that middle 33% who are just, you know, they're there and I can change one of them and I can be positive in their career and hopefully start them down the right path. Then they take another guy and they take another guy and we do it individually instead of trying to change the whole thing at once. Right. And, and this guy, this Lieutenant from Houston said this whole thing. And I was like, this dude is a hundred percent right. Cause we do need to change the culture um, of this, this, this me too culture or the me first culture. Right. You know, I don't know. Entitlement. Yeah. uh, I'm first. Well, guess what, dude, when you take this job, you're not first. I can't stand when I, I hear people say, Oh, well, you know, scene safety, my safety first, then my partner safety, and then the patient say or the the no asshole. No, it's the public's first. You're not first. Your safety is not first. Right. If and if that's what do, you want, there's other the other professions out there that you can do. Yeah. Go deliver mail. Right. Not that I have anything against mailmen, but you know, go 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 work for UPS. You know, uh, th- then, then, you know what, then they're first, because that's what you're do- there to do, drop off packages. Right. This, 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 you know, me too, me, me first culture. Like we need to get the hell away from that, dude. That's not what this job is about. That's not what this, this, this thing was founded on. And I think, you know, you hear now and in talking, people will say, you know, where did the fire service start to go to that culture? And when did we get skewed? You know, it, um, and I say this, you know, when we started to kind of change and turn a corner, and this is just my opinion, is when we started giving that last 33% the shipbirds, when we started giving them a voice, and then we started listening to their voice. When we started listening to the guys who ain't really good at their job and are just there for a paycheck. We let them talk. And then we sat back and said, well, we'll, we'll take what they said. We'll, we'll jot down something. And no, we didn't used to do. We used to tell them to sh- just shut up. Be good at your job first. Then you can talk. Mm-hmm. Earn, earn your right. Earn your, earn seat your right to, to talk. Yeah. Earn your seat at the table. And, and, and uh, I don't, I don't want to seem like an asshole or conceited or anything like that. But again, it comes back to, I apologize if my confidence and abilities offend your insecurities and inabilities. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. So, you know, let's let's get back to the culture of, like I said, um, risk ac- risk acceptance instead of risk avoidance. And Chief Thompson said that. Like I said. And I, I just think that's that is a great proverb. Yeah, <clears throat> agreed. Because guess what? We're we were just doing. I just did a PowerPoint the other day on this on lithium ion battery stuff. Holy sheep shit! This is just going to get worse and worse. The FDNY is going to these things like left and right. Um, and from all the research that I just looked at on ULFSRI. It's like a crapshoot. And then with the EV cars, they're ba- UL is basically saying, look, if the car's on fire, 
and there's nothing around it, just let it burn. Because you ain't going to be able to put enough water on it to put it out. And on top of that, the battery compartment is under the car. Right, right. And it's designed to be waterproof. What right. are you spraying on it? Water. How's <laughs> it going to get in there? It ain't. So, I mean, it's it's just all these things. Like, it's just all these things, you know, just trying to suck up as much information you know, be good at be good at everything, not great at one thing. Um, learn, you know, learn everything. Uh, every time I teach with the guys from Safety and Survival in the academy, I'm always picking something up. They're always making me better. I, I always feel like I'm like, oh, man, I that's a good saying or that's a good proverb or, hey, that's a good technique. I'm going to try that. We're going to do that. Um, you know, I'm good at this job because of the people I work with are better than me. And they force me to be good at my job, or I'm just not going to compete with them. I can't. So not that it's a competition, but in a way it is a competition. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Right. And that's that's what that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I want to do. That's what working for safety and survival does. That iron sharpens that iron. Every time we get together, no matter what we're teaching, swift water, high angle, trench, whatever, we're we're constantly just sharpening up. So, you know, it's um again, it's just all I've never thought years later that I would be in this position now. I was saying that to my sponsor the other day. I said, I gotta go on this podcast. And uh you know, all this stuff. And he's like, ain't, ain't it crazy from where you were 11 years ago? You know, you didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. You could barely talk on a cell phone because you didn't have enough minutes on your boost mobile. Uh, yeah. Hard. Well, yeah. and again, I mean, these are things that people need to hear because, you know, when people think they're out down and out, man, KO knockout it might not yeah. be the case, man. It might not be no, the case. No. I mean, it, it it will be the case if that is what you accept. Mm -hmm. If you accept that as, you know what, uh, there's no hope for me. Or instead of saying, you know what, I accept the problem. I accept the fact that I have a problem. Now, what the fuck am I going to willing? What am I willing to do about it? Just like in this job, you know, when you go to a fire, you go to a technical rescue or you go to whatever, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? And what can you do? Because if you're not willing to do a whole lot and you can't do a whole lot. Then you're just in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Go put up yellow caution tape. Yep. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, cause now you're just, you're now you're just another hazard. You're just another thing that I got to worry about. Now I got to worry about doing my job and I got to worry about doing your job. Is, is there one, is there one person in, in, uh, in closing here, bro? Is there one person, um, that comes to mind when you're thinking about like how far you've come? Is there one person that comes to mind? Um, <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I mean, 
I guess it's just so it's just so many people, you know, between my brother and Tommy, you know, what you it what what motivation are we using, you know, you know, everything that you know, my wife and it's faith. It's like if, you know, my faith and you know yeah, it's uh Cody Tressler says it great, faith, family, fire. Richard. And my cat Richard. <laughs> um He's great, like Cat Richard. Um, but no, I mean, there's there's so there's so many things, so many people, um, so many positive things in my life, you know, uh, so many positive people in my life that, um, like I said, uh, Brian was like, he's like, dude, this is great. You need to be doing this. This needs to get out there, you know. Um, so many guys that you know. Like I said, the guys at the firehouse, they were going to, if this was like a, a, a they were going to type in crazy things, <laughs> the like a live chat thing. And I was like, oh, man, um, I'm, they're still going to probably put some crazy stuff on there, but it is what it is. I, I mean, I don't expect anything less. You know what I mean? That's that's how you know you're doing something right. If guys in the firehouse are picking on you, talking about your or breaking your balls. A hundred percent. And they like it. If they don't say a word to you, then, then you know. Yeah. Then you need a shift change. Yeah, or yeah. You need to go work somewhere else. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I really, I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, I hope that I was able to give you the content. Um, this is the first time I've ever done something like this. Um, I, I, I hope that I was able to convey or, or give you, you know, the content that you were looking for and, uh, I apologize if I missed anybody or I forgot to give shout outs to anybody. Um, uh, and I, I just hope that this story, this sharing of experience, strength and hope, um, it helps someone it, it reaches. If it just, you know, it's like we say all the time in the Academy, if you just reach one student, you show them one thing, they walk away one that one day and they're like, that's the thing that sticks into my brain. Yeah. Um, I'm certain did, it, it will. Then you did your job. Yeah. I, I'm certain. I'm certain it will. And yeah. uh, again, this, this platform is never about content. Um, this, this platform is about letting people hear stories, true stories, factual stories uh, about like-minded individuals who have a passion for the fire service and who are doing good, good things and great things. And, uh, and, and you're, you're now alumni, you're part of that list of people who um, share their story and uh, are willing to help other people. Because if you weren't willing to help other people, you would never have shared this very personal, personal story. Uh, and, and I certainly don't take that for granted. And I certainly wouldn't exploit anything that you've told me. Uh, my hope is that you are going to help others. And I appreciate your, your, your time. Oh, absolutely cats out of the bag now batman took his mask off well you you <laughs> said it earlier you can't you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube no. so i like that out of the tube can't put it back in the tube it's out yeah. of the tube not you know what who i'm not fucking hiding from anybody i don't have anybody you know my wife loves me either way you know my cat richard loves me either way it's so <laughs> doesn't matter right it's a matter about sharing that ex experience strength and hope for, for for the next person absolutely that's struggling out there and 
you know, um, again, I thank you so much for this opportunity and, uh, yeah, 